Introducing the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. With 25 million copies in print, learn how the Don't Sweat Wisdom can help you achieve greater mental health and better communication with your family, friends, and coworkers from a beloved teacher. Rediscover your passion, joy, and self-compassion to awaken your most vibrant life. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. I am so, 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 so excited to share the most wonderful person on the planet with you today in this interview. So a little bit later, I'm going to be bringing in our favorite Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, known as Sark. And I'm sure you're aware of her wonderful books. They are just such an inspiration and so colorful, and they just make me happy when I see them. I just look at them and I just think, oh, I'm a kid again. I'm happy, just like she is. So before we begin with that interview, which I know you're going to love, let's just go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, even if you're driving, you can focus on your breath. And the whole purpose of this exercise is to bring you into your body, into greater presence, so that you can listen with an open heart and, and maybe hear a nugget of wisdom that was especially spoken for you in this podcast. So let's go ahead and uncross our legs, unless you're driving. Well, your legs are probably uncrossed if you're driving, but if you're seated on a chair, uncross your legs if you, unless you want to sit Indian style, but let's just begin to breathe and breathe in through your nose. And as you do so, sit comfortably, allowing your belly to expand and relax. Breathe in sunlight. Breathe in sunlight to every cell of your being, all the way to the top of your head, to the tip of your nose and your toes. Just fill your whole body with sunlight. And as you exhale, let go of any stress you feel in your neck, in your shoulders, in your arms, in your hands, in your legs. Just let it all go. And this time as you breathe in, breathe in love. Fill your whole being, your entire being to the tip of your head, to the tip of your nose, to your fingers and toes with pure love. And as you exhale, exhale fear. Let go of any fear, any anxiety, any tension you feel in your body. And this time, breathe in sunlight again. And as you do so, place your hand on your heart activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment thinking of a person, a place, a conversation you've had recently, something that you just feel incredibly grateful for. Spend a moment there just breathing in and just taking in that wonderful feeling of gratitude. Breathe in sunlight one more time. Exhale and open your eyes. I hope you love that golden pause as much as I do. It's just an amazing part of a day when you can just take three or four deep breaths like that and just come into your body and get completely relaxed. So 
I am so excited to invite Susan Sark onto our podcast today. And I just want to read you her bio um, before I say something more personal about her myself, because I just happen to adore her with the few interactions I've ever had with her are always memorable and always fill me with just a true warm beaming sense of love. She's one of the most um, inspirational and loving people. Susan is the co-author of this new book that we're going to be speaking of with her fiance, Dr. John Waddell of Succulent Wild Love. I'll ask her later what the pronunciation of John's last name is. <laughs> I think it's Waddell. That's what I'm going to say. If it's Waddle, that's really cute. So we'll just see. <laughs> she comes from a background of creative expression and uplifting others through the teachings in her best-selling books, products, and programs that support empowered living. Sark's purpose is to be an uplifter, a transformer, and a laser beam of love. She does that through her art, her words, and her spirit, which have been celebrated by leading thought leaders like Wayne Dyer, Maya Angelou, Marianne Williamson, and Chris Carlson, and more. <laughs> Visit her online at planetsark.com. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that was so lovely. I was so rhapsodic over the golden pause. I felt like I felt like all my cells are smiling now. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that does not surprise me about you. The golden pause would be just right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, I oh, love. Oh, it is. It oh, is Dr. John Waddell. Waddell. Okay, I had it yep. right. Oh, good. Because yes. it's so, it's either one is very fitting of him because he's just so darn cute. <laughs> <laughs> but, I know, I know. The waddle is very cute. <laughs> <laughs> but Waddell, Waddell is more French, right? Is he French? He's not. He's actually German. Oh, German. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't, I don't know anything, so. <laughs> well, it's all right. His stepfather was English, I think, so oh, you're, okay. you're right on the right track. Okay, cool. Well, first, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about um, your love story with John before we dive into this beautiful book that you've written. Oh, yes. Ha so happy to. You know, I, I had begun what I called a covert love operation. And it was covert because I was afraid I would fail, and I didn't want people to know. I, I wanted. Oh, to... so it was under the table, under oh, yeah. the radar. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's so funny. But you know, I just felt like I had this big career, and I was I had all these successes, but somehow I wouldn't be allowed to have big love. And um, so I, I got some. I created love mentors, and I found a consciously singles wisdom circle, and I sat in it for a year, and. I really explored the subject of, of being single and what it meant to me. And I actually described it as being soulfully single. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then I went on a metaphysical cruise to Alaska uh, three and a half years ago and was introduced to Dr. John Waddell and very quickly felt there was something very unusual about him, although he appeared to be ordinary and normal. <laughs> 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 he, he likes to joke he was from he's from uh, was living in Columbus Ohio 
And he actually said, you know, I'm just so normal. I'm like the white picket fence guy from, from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but then when I found out more about him, he's a metaphysical teacher. He's a PhD in clinical psychology. He's one of the most eccentric, unusual thinkers I've ever met in my life. Oh, that's perfect. So, yeah. But <laughs> that, that first day that we met, we went for a walk on the promenade deck of the ship. And he said, you know, you're so wonderful. He said, can I ask why you're still single? And I said, well, you know, I married myself in 1997 and, and wrote about it in my book, Succulent Wild Woman. Oh, he had never heard of Sark, by the way. He had no idea who I was. Oh, you kind of love that. totally love that. He, thought, he said, do you write mystery novels? <laughs> <laughs> You're so, like, maybe next, maybe next career. <laughs> yes. And so he said, you know, I said, well, I married myself. And honestly, it's been a mystery to me how to integrate another person into that. And he seemed very unfazed by that, which I really liked. And then he said, well, I, was, I had the most wonderful marriage in the world, and the honeymoon never ended. And he said, and the only reason it did was because she died. Mm. And he said, I want you to know that I'm qualified to adore you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's it. I'm going to marry this man. And it felt so odd. I'd never thought of marrying anyone. And then... Uh, he also said another thing. He said, what I'm going to say next might shock you. And I said, okay, what? And he said, well, you're obviously very creative, very eccentric, very unusual, you know, flamboyant. He said, but what I appreciate the most about you is that I know that you're normal. And he mm. said, what I mean by that is you're a woman who wants to give and receive love. Mm. And I started to cry because that I was trying to hide my being normal because I thought someone could hurt me if they knew that, that I, and it felt like he was really offering love to the Susan of, of Sark. Aww. And that night I had a dream where my inner wise self came in my dream and said, you will marry this man and live the rest of your life with him. Aww. And I woke up and I thought, I've been captured by lunatics on a cruise ship. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's yeah. funny. <laughs> I know. So that was the start. And, and we knew within that day that we would um, live together. And a month later, he moved across the country from Columbus, Ohio, into my apartment where I'd lived alone for 25 years and had, in fact, never lived with a romantic partner. I'd had many of them, but I never let any of them move in. Aw, that's beautiful. So, yeah. So friends were practically forming support groups about this. Can you believe she's letting him move in? <laughs> I mean, it really was almost an arranged marriage. Wow. It was arranged by the stars, by the universe. By, yes. the, by the universe of love. <laughs> yes, my inner wise self and his inner wise self. Aww. And both his mother, who has died, and his, his wife, Jeannie, who died, both came in my dream and, and welcomed me. Oh, I love that. That's so yeah. beautiful. That's so oh. beautiful. And I could say, thanks to the six powerful habits in our book, we, we basically introduced three core teachings to each other of, of our lifetime, and we married those into the six habits that are, that are in the book, Succulent Wild Love. And the first of his habits was, um, you know, he, he told me he was offering me a no-compromise relationship. And I said, well, that's good, because I've never been good at compromise. <laughs> And he said, I said, well, what are we going to do instead? And he said, we're going to create joyful solutions. And oh. I love the name of that right away. 
And I said, what are those? And he said, that's where we create something that's better and different than what either one of us would have done on our own. And it's where everybody gets what they want. That's beautiful. And I thought, oh, my God, that's going to work. And so I can honestly say that his moving in and living with me has been nothing, almost. I mean, there have been some skirmishes, and we've written about those. And there's certainly been some, you know, challenges. But in general, 90% to 95% pure joy. Oh, I love that. I love that. I can so relate to that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love that. And so what go on, let's talk about all the other habits, because I think oh, that yes. they're so these are so wonderful. And I know everyone's going to want to hear all, a little synopsis of all yeah. six. Yes. All right. So the next one that he said to me was, um, I promise to see you as perfect. And any way that I don't is my responsibility. And I love this until I realized that he would then expect me to see him as perfect. <laughs> and I had been the consummate list maker about about romantic partners. And I always had three to five items that they should change so I could feel better. Oh. And in fact, my younger brother used to say, as soon as I would be with someone any period of time, he'd say, how many list items does this guy have? Because <laughs> he knew. And I'd say, oh, he, he only has four. You know, if he could just change these four things. Um, and so, but what John was offering was something so much deeper. He, he was really offering living and as much as possible with unconditional love. And what he said was, you know, it isn't, I'm not talking about egoic perfection or perfectionism. I'm talking about the perfectness of each of us just as we are. Mm. And he said, and it isn't that we don't have preferences. We do. And it isn't that we don't want to improve and change things. We do. But it's as much as possible not to see him, but see life and see the world as perfect. Absolutely. And, and, and with unconditional love. And I know you, you live like this. And so, you know, and not everyone does. And so it's, it's the second of his three habits, um, his core teachings. And we actually, in the book, really do a teaching on how to live unconditional love. I mean, people talk about it a lot, but they don't really show you how to do it. And so that's the second. The third is he said, I promise to see you as self-lovingly separate with beautiful boundaries. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, and it was wonderful for me because I'm very autonomous and I've been very scared in relationships where people would try to consume me. Yeah. And I would start to change and I would fill a role. And I, I mean, I just, you know, and I just felt like I want to be me. I want to totally be me. And then I want to be madly in love with another person. Yeah, isn't that what it means to be, put, like, be complete on your own and then come into a relationship complete with another complete person and then just yes. enjoy life? <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. And I myself in the past had been a half, you know, kind of a half empty person looking to be filled and then getting with other half empty people who want to be filled. Right. And then that's what you got. Well, we're taught so much that in all the songs that we listen to and, you know, just oh, that in, ridiculous it's, movie, You Complete Me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You Complete I, Me. I know. And when you hear it, when you hear the love songs, you just sit there and you kind of shake your head. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, and that's why in this book, we describe it as a new philosophy of love, and, of love and relationships for everyone, because we're not recommending everyone become a romantic couple 
we're also really honoring and speaking to the to the soulfully single people and to the people that want a different form of relationship. And, yeah, because you know, this really works if you listen carefully. This really works in all of your relationships. I mean, this is just this is kind of can be a way of how you practice life and how you treat others and how you treat all of your relationships, right? Exactly. Well said. You're so smart, Chris. <laughs> Oh my goodness, yes. And so then uh, we move over to my three habits. And um, so the first one is what I call, uh, what's really letting your feelings be your guide and really allowing feelings to be, um, feelings to be expressed and to create intimacy in relationship instead of um, having to feel like you have to hide your feelings away. Um, so I invented, uh, I had created something called an inner feelings care system, which I've been using and teaching for probably 15 years now. And uh, I knew that this, this, this would make a tremendous difference if I ever got into this kind of romantic relationship, because I wouldn't be bringing a bunch of untended feelings to another person and saying, here, you know, solve these. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and there's so much like in life that if we have those, I don't know, wounds or just those things that we've been hurt before, we do sometimes bring those into our relationships and, and our partner unknowingly triggers those wounds and they don't even have anything to do with them, but they've just, they've just triggered them. I like to think that sometimes those things are triggered because it gives us the opportunity to heal. Yes. That's beautifully said. Yes. And so, yeah, so in, in, in every, yeah, but of course we really um, teach in the book um, very practically. Uh, we discuss it, we give examples, and then we lead people into an awareness practice sheet, which is very colorful and very, um, has wonderful fill in the blanks. And, you know, it's just a really fun way to, um, you know, further kind of deepen the information. Oh, fun. Um, but I, yeah, I don't pretend these are simple habits. I just want to say. <laughs> no, these are yeah. these are life practices. These are yes. things that you practice on a life scale. Not not you're not going to get it all in one week. It's, it's no, gonna... <laughs> no, not, no. But you know, so yeah, and and I also want to say, John and I are a living like a living laboratory of love. I mean, we're not Aww. only teaching these; we're practicing them and living them ourselves. That's and, what, like when Richard and I wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love, that was what it was like for us too. I mean, it was so funny because every time he wrote a chapter and it was for me, I knew it was written exactly for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, honey, you, you don't have enough courage to say that to me, but you're going to write it here. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and, fun though. It, it's an amazing so, experience to write a book together, right? Oh my gosh. This is my, this is my 17th book and it was my favorite book I've ever done. I'm sure. And I had no idea it would be like that. We not only write well together, we edit well together. Yeah, and it's just fun. It's like having a project that you're working on together. It's a different form of intimacy, right? Yes. Yes, it was, it was such a joy. Um, so um, then the the other two habits, um, I want to make sure people get all six. Otherwise yes. they might even say, I did not get all six. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is what um, I call an inner critic care system. Uh, really a transformation system. So it's it's really transforming your relationships with your own inner critics so that you're not projecting them onto your partner or other people um, and having fights with your own critics and thinking it's other people. That's brilliant. And, yeah, and it's profound. And it, oh my goodness, once you learn how to transform those 
those aspects, your relationship with those aspects of yourself. You'll just be amazed at what you can do and what you can feel and how much love pours in. Oh my goodness. Um, and then the third one of mine is what I call the inner wise self. I referenced it earlier when I said I'd had a dream and my inner wise self told me. It's, it's really the mentor part of all of us. It's the unconditionally loving part of us. And some people call it their higher self or pure positive energy. It doesn't really matter what the name is, but it, it, most people know they have this part, but many people are not consulting with it every day on every subject of their lives. So I really teach people how to connect to, to that part of themselves. And um, it's been a profound mentor for me and really a life changer. So oh, those that's are wonderful. That's a very quick descriptions of the six habits. Well, tell me um, which out of the six is the most difficult for John to practice and which is the most difficult for you to practice? Oh, my God. <laughs> say for me it's perfect seeing him and everyone else in life is perfect and for him I would probably say it's feelings care it's it's um you know he's more logical than feelings based and I'm sort of the feelings one of the of the family and so I would say that's where both of our practice a lot of practice takes place in both of those Okay, so let's let's go into the feelings one because I I think that this is an area that's really challenging for people. Like, when how do you recommend that somebody um, talk about their feelings, especially when they're feeling bad about something? You know, how do you how do you recommend that people sit down and do that so that it's yeah. you know it's it's a not a defensive conversation, but it's a, a powerful, loving, unconditional conversation. Yes. Well, that's why I created the feelings care system. And so there's a five second version and then there's a five minute to 10 minute version. And I, I really like to tell people it's meant to be done consistently, like brushing your teeth or taking vitamins. I mean, it's really expressing your feelings. And I like to recommend that people do it with pen and paper because it's, it then is mind, body, spirit. Um, but it's a way of expressing your feelings and then having the feelings and then you know there's a second part to it which is where you where you can go back and reframe the feelings uh with with the help of your inner wise self but the main part is to express those feelings and most people have you know you talk about clearing people talk about clearing clutter most people have so much cluttery feelings in their heads you know, they're holding grudges and they have these angers and they're, I never told him this and I never shared this with her. And, you know, so when you do this kind of feelings care, you're able to come to the, your loved one in a whole different way. Oh, you know? Yeah, I imagine it's just like an emptying out, like you just feel cleansed. Yes. And, and to take responsibility for all your feelings. Because when we come with blame or we come with grudges and we come with they should say this to me, every time you use the word should, never, those are all the hallmarks of inner critics. So you're coming loaded up. We all know what this feels like. Everyone's done it. You know, yeah. you come to someone and you're just loaded up with untended feelings. And invariably, it triggers them and their untended feelings. And then before you know it, you're both saying things you didn't want to say and things have gotten very destructive and, you know, this is why people leave each other. Yeah, absolutely. And so you you recommend that people go through this feelings care kit and go through a process of how to talk about their feelings so they're not dumping on the person or coming at oh, them yeah. when they're in a bad mood, a low mood, or when they're just 
feeling, you know, angry, super angry. It's not about yeah. expressing those feelings that way. It's about expressing them in a really um, powerfully loving way. Yeah. And in, in, in a, in a really way with yourself, because yeah. once you can really own your own feelings and express them and get that feeling of release and relief, um, you will feel that you've heard yourself. You don't need someone else to understand your feelings in the same way. And it's profound. And, you know, it's changed, it's completely changed my romantic um, life and my ability to love. And um, so I, I, you know, it just, I can't say enough about it. You what know, I, every, what I, I love about it is, what I love about hearing about it is that, you know, I was just, I was reading this article just this morning and it was more of a science article and it was all about, you know, how to change your day from a bad day to a good day and so forth. But he made a statement that I just didn't agree with. And it was that, that it, that it was a wives tale that you hold feelings in your body and that you should express them. That's what he said in this article. And I was like, and he, you know, here's a doctor and, and a doctor, he's like, no, he says, neuroscience tells us that being positive is what you need to do. And uh, sure, oh. it's true that being positive is such a much better feeling than being negative. Oh, we all yeah. agree about that. But you can't get to positivity in a real authentic sort of way until you acknowledge those things that you are holding on to. And that's oh, the piece that was missing yeah. in that statement. <laughs> I mean, basically, you're putting a sticker on top of poop. Exactly. You know, <laughs> to get really graphic. Yes, that's a good way to say it, Susan. <laughs> sticker on top of poop. <laughs> it's pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I love that whole concept that, you know, we have to um, realize and accept responsibility for our own feelings. And, and that's the same as when we say, you know, you have to accept responsibility for your own happiness and your own sadness, yeah. all of it. It's It belongs to you. Yeah. And I love that. And I can see, you know, that if you don't and in your relationship, if you transfer those feelings in an unconstructive way, that is could really be the demise of your relationship. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, I think that that's probably at least I don't even know what the percentage would be, but the divorce rate is probably drastically, you know, attached to that. So your love story took a little bit of a turn this last year. Um, with John's health. You want to share a little bit about that? Cause I know that this is something that many of us um, face in our relationships and, and all different ages is that we fall in love. We live this amazing life. We're, we're in that amazing love. And then one of our partners or we, or one of our partners, our health turns. Can you share um, with our listeners what, how that's been for you both and how has your, how have your practices changed and, and has it been, more difficult to put these things into motion in in this whole arena of getting John back to his highest health. Yes. Well, uh, at first, I will say definitely. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it, I would describe it as a major, shocking, and intense change that I that was my biggest fear. Yeah. So, of course. You know, I was like, "This is my biggest fear. What if I fall in love with someone and then they die, or what if I fall right. in love with someone and then they're so physically debilitated and I have to take care of them?" You know. And so here's John. So I picked like the healthiest guy. I mean, John had never been sick a day in his life, and was this bounding up the mountain person. You yeah, know, like, a lot of great like, energy. Oh my God. And so, yeah. 
So he, while we were writing the book, he began having a lot of um, issues coming up. He began actually having a lot of inner critics who were telling him, you can't print your story. You can't share your stories. Basically, they said, if you publish this book, we will kill you. Oh, geez. I know. And we just didn't understand the, the how, you know, the, the, these were some core traumas that were being revealed in John. He had he had never shared these personal stories that he shares in this book. Oh yeah. It's so vulnerable to the ego, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we want, we want the ego to die. Just not the real body to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he developed his first uh, health condition, which, which was um, something called shingles oh, and it's very yeah. painful, but you know, it's, it's a rash and you know, it involves lots of things and he was doing liver cleanses and he was, you know, he was, he was going along with that and then, but things were kind of getting worse, but we didn't really know why. And then July 5th, we turned the book into the publisher for the final time. And July 6th, John was in the hospital getting a CAT scan. And we were hearing that he had stage four inoperable metastatic colon cancer and three months to live. Oh. And I mean, I was just sobbing in the corner. I was like, you know, the, the devastated heroine of the movie, you know, who's sobbing. Well, John, being the metaphysical teacher that he is, said, hmm, I wonder why I created this. Right. And he said, I better uncreate it. And so let's be very specific here because anyone listening, I want everyone to hear, this is John's path. Right. He does not think anyone else needs to think like this or feel like this or have this be their path. So John started doing some deep core trauma healing work with uh, a number of healers and he started exploring and discovering things that he had never, you know, known that he had. And, you know, meanwhile, we told the surgeon, you know, who gave him three months to live, stop talking to us. We don't, you know, you, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And this is now eight months later. And I am the primary caregiver. And I've gone through a lot with that. I've been enraged and I've been frustrated and I've been loving and I've been over-functioning and I've been obsessively hovering and I've been I mean yeah. I've probably made every mistake you could possibly make as a caregiver and also had a lot of you know wonderful things that I've been able to do um, but he intends to return to full health and he intends to clear the cancer and he is generally fairly unfazed nice. I, I mean he finally I kept rehearsing his death you know I was this was my role I was like well I don't know how much longer he'll live and he said huh Honey, could you please stop rehearsing my death? He said, it's very tiring. You know, it's tiring <laughs> to hear about <laughs> But I thought somehow that would save me from, from feeling even worse if he suddenly died, you know. Yeah. Uh, but shortly after the diagnosis, I was at a cafe, and uh, I sat at a communal table, and a woman sat down next to me, and she said, you have the best energy. And I said, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And she said, no, really, you're really incredible. And I said, well, thank you. I said, I have a wonderful life. And she said, well, you're probably one of those people that nothing bad has ever happened to. Ah. And I said, well, it's funny you say that because my fiance is in the hospital with stage four cancer being told that he's not going to live. And she said, how are you like this when that <laughs> is happening? And wow. I said, well, it's funny that you asked that because we've written a book. And we have these six powerful habits that we're living and we're living them more than ever now in this cancer experience. And she said, where is that book? And I said, well, I actually called the publisher and told them to put it on hold because I didn't know what would happen. 
and it seemed, you know, best to take it off the publication schedule. And she said, you call that publisher right now and you get that book. She said, that book needs to come out and I need that book. (laughs) And so she was so vehement and so intense that I called the publisher and they said, well, um, we basically ignored you and we kept working on the book and it's done. Oh, nice. And then they, they, they further said, if something were to happen, we will hold it in the warehouse if need be. That's beautiful. And, yeah. And they said, we don't want you to lose your place in the publication schedule. And so the book came out on time. And so in answer to your question, I mean, we see John is receiving cancer as a teacher and a wise guide. He is not fighting cancer. Um, he's using every alternative and regular method, um, but he sees cancer as perfect. And he sees cancer as a solution to his core traumas. Now, I said that it was my biggest fear. It was also my greatest blessing because I, for years, had been acting in my company in a role that did no longer suited me. I was working way too much and way too hard. I was really acting kind of as a CEO. And three days after John got diagnosed, I quit. Beautiful. I said, I quit. I can't do this anymore. And it was the, it, it, you know, what was going on with him gave me the courage to do that. And consequently have reshaped my company, gotten a CEO, gotten into the right role, um, and happier working than I've ever been and able to have the time and energy to help take care of John. And so it's, it's intense. I mean, it's intense. Well, and- now we know why it's called succulent wild love because <laughs> their succulent wild love is passionately teaching them and perfecting them and soul tumbling them like crazy. <laughs> that's, that's well said. Soul tumbling for sure. But yeah, I mean, if we didn't have these six habits, I don't even know what would happen. You know, I mean, yeah. we are... We are practicing our little heads off over here. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, what an amazing conversation we've had, Susan. I'm so excited to share you and share your amazing story with my listeners. Um, can you tell us about, you have a special offer that you have for our audience. It's called the oh, Love yes. Accelerator Mini Course. Yes, we put together a Love Accelerator mini course, and I'm really excited about it. And it has videos, and it has colorful downloadable sheets, and it, it's like a game. You can find out so much about yourself and, and expand your awareness. And, of course, it's completely free. And it's planetsark.com forward slash more love now. So M-O-R-E-L-O-V-E-N-O-W, more love now. That's great. So you can all go to that planetsark.com forward slash more love now and download that amazing love accelerator mini course from Susan and John as their gift to you. So I know that this book is going to be a beautiful addition to your personal library. It certainly is to mine. I just like to look at it, if not read it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's good good to tell. I put 178, uh, uh, original pieces of art in this book and it's also full of photographs including a photograph of our bed which um we have a whole story about our bed so (laughs) (laughs) so you'll have to buy the book to hear that story and also all these amazing practices so this is this would be um just a beautiful book for anyone to have and a beautiful book to share with your loved one and play together you know like read it together 
you know, do the exercises together. Use it as your own personal workshop and love. I think this is awesome. Thank you so much, Susan. It's been wonderful oh, as usual. Oh my goodness, Chris. And I'll just add one more thing. As, as if you're soulfully single, the book is also for you. So you don't need to do this. You don't need to do these practices with anyone other than yourself if you don't want to. Yeah, because again, we'll reiterate that you can use this in all your relationships. I'll bet you can even find places in the workplace to use this. So, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Joyful solutions work and work. I'm using them in my business and with neighbors and with friends. I can't say enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing. So thanks, Susan. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you so much so to our fun. listeners. Yeah, love you. Oh, wonderful. Love you. All right. Bye, everyone. Come back. Listen again. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff with Christine Carlson. Chris invites you to join her for the brand new What Now program, a six-week offering carefully designed to take you on your own unique journey through life-altering transition and lead you to self-discovery and your most vibrant life. Receive access to powerful audio teachings, an in-depth workbook, and deeply valuable insights on passion and joy from a beloved teacher. Visit christinecarlson.com to learn more about how you can be part of the What Now program.